One, two, uh, Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Weekly Song Podcast. My name is Roger Heathers and I am joined as always by... Declan Kitchener. Hello. Hello. Um, if you're new to the podcast, uh, well, first of all, this is season two. Season two? We started! Um, <laughs> I didn't want to <laughs> Let's start... Let's do the, the intro again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so season two and this is episode 10. If you're a first-time listener to the podcast, what we do here is every week we... Uh, we write a new song from scratch. We have seven days to write a song, and uh, neither of us have heard each other's songs in the seven days leading up to the podcast. So when Declan plays his song, it'll be my first time hearing his song, and vice versa. Yep. And uh, also, another thing we do here is we take it in terms of who actually plays their song first. And since in the previous season I played mine first, it's Declan's go this week. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> right, okay. So, uh, starting off, season two of the weekly song podcast is... My song that I've written in a week. No pressure. I, <laughs> I say a week in about two afternoons and a day. Um, it's called End of the Line and it goes like this. It's safe to say our better days.
Fantastic song. <coughs> it seems like a tricky one to play. Yeah, particularly when you're going up to the 12th fret around that bit, particularly when you're playing on an acoustic which has no cutaway, so when you go up to do the B minor. I've got to like say, <laughs> I, I saw you playing that bit and I was like, oh, that looks like a difficult part. And then you started singing with it and I tensed up thinking, like, oh my god. <laughs> How soon is you going to fuck up? Uh, no, not like that, but that looks tricky. Um, okay, firstly, I really like the way the verse melody sits over the chords because it doesn't, it kind of doesn't hit the marks of the chords that you'd expect it to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the way it works is it goes from the fifth to the third, but it's all on the A, so it doesn't necessarily sound right, but a good kind of not right, so it ends up being the first bass. Safe to say our better days have gone. Etc. So right, right. you get that sort of inbuilt dissonance because you got that drone. So kind of not dissimilar to like what a bagpipe might do if you got like one. Um, I'm tuned down a bit. If you got like one note going on in the bass and then you got like a melody going over the top, it's not going to hit all the first thirds and fifths that would. It's not going to naturally... be. Im- it's not going to be perfectly there, but you'll mm. get sort of implied sixes and threes mm. and sevens and other weird chord names that I do not know what they are. <laughs> Oh, I really liked, I liked that, and also you, you did the minor fourth in the chorus, which, you know, is a big, big thing of mine, but it's a minor fourth where it stops, and you had a vocal that carries on uh, during the gap, which I thought well, was Well, you nice. say that, it's literally just one note, which is that, that F, which is, what, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, is one above my comfortable range, which is why it goes a bit... Eh. <laughs> I saw you kind of backing away from the mic there. Yeah, like, uh, I saw you, like, when I went into that first chorus, I was backing off, but it was still too loud, so you still had to go and turn the game down. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to do it as subtly as I possibly could. I was yeah. like, I don't want to. Yeah, suddenly get the recording phone. just goes. <laughs> exactly. So tell us about how you wrote it then. Um, well, I've had a quite a busy week this week, so I haven't had a lot of time to write it. Like I said, it's two evenings and um, one of my days off this week. Mm. Uh, I was just stuck for something for ages. I really couldn't think of anything to do. Like I was sitting at the piano trying to um, do loads of interesting semitonal movement-based things, and it just wasn't happening. So I ended up just playing, you know, when you're on a guitar, you end up just playing one or two chords, the first couple of chords uh, that you are comfortable with, and I ended up playing E, uh, E major, in the open position, but not with the... um, The B. The B or the Mm. low E string. Well, that's what I was intending. Okay. 
uh, which gives you that. I missed. I put the A on it instead by accident. I thought, Happy oh. accident. Yeah, and then I thought, well, how can I just get it up to um, there, which is the same shape, but just moved up so it's on the A position, which gives you that sort of B, which is I second, I think. Right, right. Yeah. And the whole song's in A major, is that right? Yeah, it's really weird for one of mine. It doesn't go out yeah. of key at any point. But it doesn't go out of, out of key, but it also doesn't start... Apart from the minor fourth. ...on an A? Is that correct? No, is that... It starts on an E over A, so an E with an e A in the bass. Right, exactly. It's a nice one because it doesn't feel like it actually uh, resolves too many times, if that makes sense. It doesn't come back to the A all that much. Yeah. But I might be wrong. I'm just kind of reflecting on first listen. Another bit I liked was... Um, yeah, you know the bit I was talking about where you're up high and then there's the version where you come down low and you're playing the same thing. That third chord that you just played there, that's really nice, I like that. Well, essentially it's the same sort of thing. It's um, the same E shape, but what I'm doing, for those of you who can't telepathically see into the past through this audio recording, um, it's just using my little finger to put the... Uh, Fourth on the the third on the bass, mm. so it's a fourth fret, but it's the uh, third note. So you got a G sharp there, is it? Yeah, it's a G sharp. Okay, right. So it's an E over G sharp, um, which I use in my cover of Under Pressure actually. When it goes to the um, descending bass line, goes to A, E over G sharp, D over F sharp, down to the E. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I use that a bit more than I should, but. Uh, <laughs> So it, it works to great effect. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things when you're working out a walking bass line in A. Uh, but you've got to put, change the E, like that's the only way you can really do it. Right, yeah, it's cool stuff. I really like the song, I think it's great. Anything else you can think to say about it at all? Uh, yes, um, the title, End of the Line, actually comes from a book. Alright. It's not like I've read it or anything. Literally, I just picked this book. Uh, it's quite a heavy book <laughs> right, called this... End of the Line, which is, um, like, I think it was in my grand's place, but it's about rural branch lines and everything, hence the punny title. Uh, but I was just literally writing on it, and then I was stuck for what to say in the chorus, and then I just looked over the top and it just said End of the Line. It's like, that works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's kind of a very, a very happy accident song, this one. So let me get this straight. Did you have the all the lyrics... And then you needed the end of the line title, or was it the other way round? Or I had the first verse, and then um, I thought, well, what on earth am I going to say in the chorus? And then I looked at that and said, end of the line. I said, oh, perfect. We haven't reached the end of the line, but we're on our way. It's a weird song. I mean, uh, like, lyrically, it kind of feels like both hopeful and, like, final, kind of, uh, you know, finite. Yeah. What it's about is kind of... Um, I met a couple of mates of mine uh, from a band I was in, actually, uh, earlier on this week. And uh, we're all on good terms and everything. Like, we just meet up for a chat and um, some news, which I may mention at the end. Uh, but this was the first time I saw them in about eight months. And the last time I saw them, uh, things didn't go too well. But there was this sort of, you know, when I was in a band with them, but it was uh, there was a little bit of ill feeling building up towards the end of it, at least in the relationships with me. And I sort of, you could, we could almost, all of us sort of tell that, you know, it wasn't going to last forever. Right. Like, uh, our days were numbered. So I just, um, uh, seeing them this week and having a good time with them reminded me, like, yeah, there was this time where it was a bit rough. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so sure. I sort of just put my, put my mind back in time. Sure, sure. Uh, to sort of get that feeling, which is something I've, I end up doing a lot. Like, um, hmm. like thinking, well, hang on. What would I have felt at that time? I rather than what agree. I feel now. Um, I w- that, that definitely explains it. I, and I was, um, when I was in college, I had this, um, this brilliant tutor called uh, Russell, he was called. And he, he kind of did like a songwriting module with us, which was like one of the few bits of the course I really enjoyed because obviously we're doing a podcast yeah. about it and so on. Yeah, um, if you hadn't noticed. And he said, um, he said uh, when my dad died, he said, um, he wanted to write about it, you know, to kind of have some catharsis and really kind of put it on the paper. And he said he couldn't do it. And he said because it was just, he was, you know, feeling raw emotion. Yeah, and it, was, so it, it was in the moment, like very... Exactly. Yeah. So, and he said, you know, so sort of six months down the line or whatever he said, um, he could sit down and write about it. And actually there was some poetry to it and there was like a bit more of a concise emotional message. But it kind of reminded me of what you said, like now you can look back and go, how would I have felt back then? You know? Yeah, now that things are fine and that we're all mates again and yeah. everything, like... Yeah. Um, it's interesting to look back at that moment and think, um, oh, what was going through my head? Yeah, because in the moment you can't really be objective all the time. Yeah, no, that's the thing. In the moment you are driven by, you know, well, your emotions, like in mm. what you are currently thinking. You don't logically step out of it and think, no, hold on. Yeah. This is happening because of this and this is happening because of that. I think the opposite also rings true. Something I've kind of been thinking about recently when I've been working on my album um, is like... Well, by the way, Roger's <laughs> having an album out. Um, that wasn't a plug. It really wasn't. It should be. But um, while I was working, it's on really the, good. I was working on the album. There are songs on it that I wrote. You know, some of them like very recently, and some of them sort of like two to three years ago. And I was thinking, like, imagine like people who the songs might be about or are mentioned in the lyrics hear it, and they go, "What? What's he on about? You know, does he feel this way now?" And the answer is, no, I don't feel that way at all because the songs are so old. They're just good melodies and chords and that's why they're on the album so like the opposite is true and as much as like the emotion can be dead by the time the song reaches people's ears it's essentially about two different people at two different points in their lives exactly and also i'm a different person now from when i was then and sometimes people go so why did you keep the song on the album then i go it's a good song the melody's good <laughs> like yeah, it's, yeah you, it's a you, good song. you and me are both very much melody focused i think like completely. We, both, we both try our best with the lyrics but we're both melody heads I definitely think. i mean yeah completely and i think that the kind of the thing is with that is you could listen to like joan Baez is the only person that comes to my mind uh, who is like a sort of folky protest singer from the 60s and her lyrics are arguably really good, right? But they're just over, like, the same two, three chords for an entire, like, six-minute song. I'd rather hear bad lyrics over a three-minute piece of pop mastery. Like, you know, rubbish, like, I love you, she loves me. No, not rubbish, I'm not dissing the Beatles. Are you saying that she loves you, one of the best-written singles of all time? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know what I'm saying. I'd rather have bad lyrics, good music, than vice versa. Yeah, for no, sure. I, com- I completely agree with you. Yeah. I mean, to me, they're like 20%. They're like the surface of what the music is. There's so many other layers. Even I think the bass is as important as the lyrics quite often. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, um, This has always been my point of view on it, and not everyone agrees with me, and not everyone has to, but, uh, but they're still wrong. Um, <laughs> but, uh, at the end of the day, we're musicians, not poets. If we can be poets as well, that's fantastic. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's our ability to sing or play or do anything like that that is um, 
more interesting and takes more thought and work. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, I was going to say as well, like keeping old songs in set lists and everything, like the emotion may no longer be relevant to you, mm. but it is going to be relevant to someone uh, listening to it, maybe. Absolutely. Like the amount of heartbreak songs, like, you know, someone who writes a heartbreak song isn't then heartbroken for the rest of their lives. Mm. But other people will be. Heartbreak will exist for the until the end of time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's a good thing about universal writing. If you can tap into your own experience, but make it relatable to other people. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I I found that with I played um you know as it's you. Yeah. Played that the other night, and it's a song where those feelings are gone. It's like about a breakup. It is a heartbreak song, and um, and I was just kind of thinking afterwards, like that really it means nothing to me anymore lyrically. But for someone else, like you say, it probably would. Um, and I agree that we're not poets, but it is a kind of, there is some emotion to it. And sometimes I mm. think just by trying to perfect your craft as a songwriter, you tend to express something without even knowing it. Do you ever do that where you write a song and you go, oh, wow, I really kind of like had something come out then that I didn't expect to. I just thought I'd be playing guitar. Yeah. Well, like, um, for example, it's the same group of people, but, um, it's the same band, but, uh, uh, when I was, um, on the day that we parted ways, like I've been, I'll get my pick a second. I've been messing around with a riff for ages and this riff went like this. Which you know because you've I like heard this that. a million I like times. The, I like the song and I like the riff, yeah. Yeah, but um, I've been messing around with that for about a month and a half and I literally couldn't get any words out of it. Mm. And then the day that um, we parted ways, uh, I sat down and ended up just writing out all of the words and it ended mm. up being about it. Like, um, it's not explicitly about leaving a band, but it is about, um, like the you know, I've seen our future and it came as no surprise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's weird because you say you had the riff before the lyrics for like a month. And maybe it's because I, I have the association because like you say, I've heard the song, but the riff kind of carries some of that emotion, I think. Yeah, like the sound of the of the chords together. Well, that's the thing. Like when I wrote it, I thought it was going to be a happy song <laughs> until it got to. We could have brought the border. We could have order in our lives, but we couldn't compromise. Seems I've been saving up for dreams I couldn't. Cut. All that stuff, like the lyrics, actually came later. It's, it's weird, just, isn't it? It's weird how that thing that I had, what I wrote at a time where I was relatively happy, fits something that I wrote at a time that's really quite sad for me. Absolutely. And it's funny, I've actually had, again, I'm talking in opposites, but I suppose it creates uh, a good sort of uh, polarisation. But um, I was saying that it's not always possible to write in a moment, but there are a few examples that come to mind where I've written literally in the moment, you know, mm. where, um, you know, it's the least I could do. Um Winter Tape 4. <laughs> um, I actually do check that one out. It's a really good song. Um, it's the least I could do. I was, um, that's a breakup song as well. And um, I was in bed with somebody. And this girl, and I was next to her. And I just thought, like... And it wasn't, like, a good night. It was, you know, sort of... A like, bad night. A bad night, basically. Yeah. That's the one. That's the opposite of good. <laughs> and, um, and I was just, like... I was thinking, what's a good metaphor for, like, laying next to someone? I was like, like a limp paper bag, like you're not even a person, you know? And that's, of course, the first lyric of the song. But 
Yeah. I'll lay down next to you. <laughs> the melody that moves too much. Every time I hear that song, I'm like... I like that, though. I stole it from Eric Clapton. <laughs> oh, you never told me this. Which song? <laughs> um, that one that goes, If I saw you in heaven, would it be the same? Oh, um, Tears in Heaven. Tears in Heaven. Yeah. Well, I didn't steal it, but you could... It's influenced... You can sort of see this in that. Would it be the same? Well, If I saw you in heaven I mean, it's not exactly the same, but like I say, it could certainly fit. You can sort of see the rhythm linking the two of them. You can also see why I go... Just yeah. to really differentiate it, because I was yeah. like, when I was writing, I was like, also I love sh- this melody. But also shows off your voice, because you've got a good voice. Well, thank you very much. Right, okay, I believe now it is uh, time for you to do your song. I'm looking forward to this. Well, okay, I want to preface it by saying it's kind of derivative of other songs I've done in the past. Um, and I'll openly say that. First of all, um, you might notice a similarity between this one and uh, one from the previous series, Dumbwaiter. Uh, one particular line, and I'll completely put my hands up with that. Um, another one, which I'll mention afterwards, you won't notice, but it is influenced by a demo I did for Captain Lieber. Um, okay. Which has never been put out there, and it's just on my hard drive. And By the way, Winter Take 5, check out Captain Nieber, awesome rock song. <laughs> I'm going to have a swig of water on I'm, mic. I'm going to have a swig of Lucasaid and be less healthy. They'll find out soon that Lucasaid is like the healthiest drink. Yeah. It's got some kind of electrolytes in it or something. I'll just suddenly turn into Superman. <laughs> okay, well, um, the song is... What's the song called? Oh, yeah, the song... <laughs> Is called Martha Ticket, which um, is sort of a, a nod to the Beatles, my, my fandom of the Beatles. Okay, I can see where both of those are coming yeah. from. Yeah, um, but it wasn't... It's Ticket to Martha and, um, tic- uh, you know, Ride My Dear, is Yeah, it? that's the one, you've got it. <laughs> um, and it wasn't intentional, but anyway, I'll, I'll talk about it afterwards, but... Uh, okay.
Must have missed that one. Um, Your whiskey paintbrush. Oh, yes. I changed the chords, but um, I purposely wanted to change the melody for from Your whiskey paintbrush to Meow Waiting Somewhere to Co Ascending. Yeah. And that comes from um, the backing vocals for the original Captain Lieber. So it would be like. Uh, um, she runs a tight ship, then I'll be your captain. Would be the lead vocal, but the backing vocal was originally. She 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 runs a tight ship, then me, oh captain, leave So it was like ascending and then coming down. Ascending and, I, and then stepping up again from the bottom. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I used that for this. Um, yeah, so the, the way this song sort of started being written is like you, I kind of sat down with the guitar with my new capo that Declan got me for Christmas. Yes, yeah, so I can I can see it there being used in everything. On the second fret, so I was like, hey... That's the Oasis way of doing it. It's the, it's it's like on the open G shape, and I was like, hey, this song's in, in A. And then just before we started the podcast, I um, I was tuning up, and I was like, hey, I'm in D flat, I'm going to step down in my, in my open tuning. I was like, okay, so this song is actually in A flat. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's why it's so easy on the voice. Um, so, yeah, I was sat down with my capo on, on my bed, watching Star Wars. Hooray! Episode one. Ah. Uh, which I defend. I'm liking it more and more every time. I was going to say, I've, it's a bit of a sidetrack, but you only need to change five things about episode one to make it a good film. As exactly. it stands, though, it is a bad film. Well, well my... it's, it's a bad film. It's not it's, it's a bad Star Wars film. It's better than a lot of the bad films out there. Absolutely. And also, I'd say... Watch the story rather than the filmmaking to any people out there who haven't seen it, whatever. Anyway. Um, so what are midichlorians? <laughs> it's um, heroin. So I'm watching midi. I mean, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm watching midichlorians cultivating my body. Uh, I'm sitting there watching Star Wars and I'm playing around with my, my sort of open G shape, which would be an A flat in my capo training anyway. And... Um, and I play my my G with a with a D in the B string. Oh yes, I do that as well. I think it's known as the um, Foca way or like the cheat way to do it. Whereas a real one should be like that. But one totally different tunings. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I just like that because you get another fifth in there, which means that you can just block out that uh, uh, third uh, third note yeah. on the A string, so it can suffice as either a minor or a major. Exactly, and who doesn't need more fifths in their chords? Yeah, um, more so fifths for everyone. I'm playing with this, and then I move it up to a, a C add nine, but with that folky uh, third fret on the B as well. Again, the Oasis way of doing it. Um, it reminds me of Paradise City. Oh yeah, it's sort of the same idea, isn't it? To the Paradise City where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm playing with that, and I was like, I don't want it to just be, you know, sort of. And I'm talking in terms of G and C here because I I don't want to do the, the chord math, but yeah, um, I didn't want it to just be G C D, 
I wanted to use a cord I hadn't really used before, so I thought like a B7 would be kind of nice. Um, I was going to say that added like a very nice, like almost songbook feely kind of thing. Yeah, feature. yeah, definitely. But I didn't want to do my normal that way of doing it. No, people can't see this, but it's just a standard B7 in the open position. So what I thought I'd do is I just kind of keep all of them in this sort of like I like to think of it like an L shape, the open G, C add nine, and I move it down to here. But I didn't like that jazzy sort of um, thing where I've still got my B string thing going on that I was doing with the folk chord, so yeah. I took that off, so now I got which I really like, it's kind of like a And in standard tuning that is It's kind of like a detective novel. If novels had music, which they don't. Um, so I now I got And um, anyway, I'll take it too long in the intro here, but I've got this sort of feel. I thought it'd be kinda cool to have like that as the the instrumental theme of the song. A bit more sombre because it's got the B7 and the E minor, but then have the verses kind of do the classic um, G, C, D thing. And, um, uh, what else can I say about the song? I mean, the rest is kind of kind of quite self-explanatory. Um, I like the bit where it's like, um, If it's a question of faith... I thought that kind of mixed things up a little bit to use those, um... Blackbird chords. Yeah, the Blackbird chords. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, is like, um, if you're playing like a A shape major chord, it'll be just the third note on the B string and the root note on the A string. And I find those chords so pleasing. I mean, I know you've used them on some occasions too. Once or twice, yeah. And uh, I, I just love them. Because you have, you have bass and you have treble. You have first and you have third. It's just a really nice... <coughs> Needs more fifths. I sort of do a similar thing where I do that, but I put the fifth back in on the D string. That's nice too, I like that. You can kind of do that with, um, with, with like, a seventh version of it too. Yeah, it's easier to sort of make interesting shapes out of them, but we're getting distracted a little bit. Well, that's what it's all about. <laughs> I'd say one bit I did like was, um, uh, like, the raising the fifth note, so I think it went... Instead of just going back down, you change it to a minor, which mm -hmm. yes. I thought was really pretty. Well, you know how I like my minor fourths. Um, yeah. So I haven't actually used that too often, that sort of um, climbing thing, because I think of it as a kind of cliche, but a good cliche, you know, like the minor fourth thing. Um, I think of it as kind of like the John Lennon thing. Okay. But I, I can't think of a particular... And I think of his solo career as opposed to his stuff with the Beatles. I think he did it on a few songs, on like Imagine and Milk and Honey and stuff, but I can't remember. But I think of that as the John Lennon thing. And, you, you know, we both are big fans of semi-tonal movement. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I can't not do that. And I haven't used it in a weekly song yet, so I thought I'd get away with it this once. Um, the only other thing... Oh, I've got notes! I've actually got notes, guys, season two. Uh, I've got notes here. Oh, um, wow. You're more prepared than I am. I got the Captain Lieber chorus melody, I covered that. Um, the Dumbwaiter chords and lyric, I covered that. Um, this is all great podcast stuff, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's provide them some music while you're thinking. Oh no, I've covered all my notes. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I was going to say with this is that lyrically, it's really not my best thing. But I had a point to make with this too. Like, they're all kind of random lyrics, and the so I couldn't say, oh, the song's about this. It's kind of about like feeling like I've been somewhere too long. 
you yeah. know, Cornwall, namely. That, that's basically um, what all of my songs are about. Yeah. I mean, there's that theme, but there's so much else to it, too. Like, the Martha Ticket thing, it's the same thing I visited in Clover, which is having, like, a character who's based in the future who I haven't met yet, but one day I will. Mm. Like, the kind of idea of, like, and it's not this, but the idea of the person you might end up being with for the rest of your life you haven't met yet, but they're out there in the world somewhere. I like that idea. They're an actor waiting for their cue. Exactly, yeah. Um, I've always liked that. That's good, I'm going to write that and use that next week. (laughs) That's the weekly song next week. An actor waiting for a cue. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do quite like one line I did, like, um, was it standing on this pile and looking down and everything, like... Mm. uh, it's quite a nice line. It sums up a lot of how I feel about Cornwall as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the walls crumbled and you're looking down like, what have I done? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, lyrically. But the other thing I was going to say with the lyrics, before I wrap up with this, is, like, we were talking about lyrics before, and something I've noticed that is that sometimes I go and write, like, a stream of consciousness, consciousness kind of lyrics, and I go, I just want good melody, so I'll just write whatever comes to my head. And then I'll look back in, like, a year or something, and I'll go, I know exactly what I was on about there. Lyrically, and I I was listening to a podcast about um, the Foo Fighters self-titled album, which obviously Dave Grohl did all by himself. Yeah, save for one guitar part, which he had a guest on, but everything else was done by him. Yeah, and um, the, the the vocals are really buried in that album, and there's no like lyric sheet out there apart from like on lyrics website where people have kind of interpreted what he said. Yeah, or like seeing him at live shows, where to be fair, he's screaming his nuts off even more. So yeah. <laughs> exactly, and. Um, and he said that at the time the lyrics didn't mean that much to him um, but when he looked back after making some other Foo Fighters albums he, he kind of looked back and he goes oh yeah I, I really get what was going on in his head at the time so I, I think that with these kind of, I used to kind of think of these songs as like the bad ones like oh you didn't write anything meaningful with this song um, but that's not always the case because it always comes out somehow the, the lyrical meaning yeah. Even to someone else, someone else might go, it feels like years, years of isolation. Someone might go, yeah, yeah, I get that. But that was just what came into my head as I, <laughs> as I said it. Declan put his hand up. Yeah, and I, and I hit my guitar. Um, but yeah, that's all I could think of to say for the song. It's not my best, but it's the start of the no, new season, you know? I quite like it. It's like a lot more sort of in-key and, in inverted commas, normal than you normally do, mm. which is a nice change of pace, I think. Well, it's a good start, um... I, I mean, every now and then, I, believe it or not, I do like my, my normal songs. Yeah. <laughs> but... Well, normal's um, probably a bad word. Like, uh, you normally go out of key and you do, like, these very interesting chord shapes. It's just mm. nice to hear you play G, C and D. Absolutely. Here's one change I was going to do in this song, which I never did end up doing, but listen out for it in future weekly songs, which is to be in, let's call it G, and then having um, your fifth, and then you go back to your first, and for the next section, instead of to go, going to like a an E minor, an A minor, a B seven, or something that's sort of like in keyish, just to go like this to a uh, what would be a C sharp minor shape from a from a G. I thought that sounded so atonal and weird that it's like I've got to use that one day, but this it just didn't fit into this one. Next week on the weekly song podcast. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, that's something to look forward to for the viewers at home. I mean, listeners, they're not viewers. Viewers, yeah. Well, they're viewing our nice new picture, where my hair's all in a mess. <laughs> yeah, we got a new picture and everything, and um, 
uh, on a sort of technical note, we're hoping at some point soon to have a SoundCloud that you can actually hear everything on as opposed to going to the archive site and, uh, fingers crossed, getting the stuff on iTunes as well. Hooray! 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 <laughs> Hooray! We've been away for about um, a month-ish, which has been a quite a long time. And in that time, we have all done a couple of things. Uh, of course, Roger has released Winter Tape 5. Whoop, whoop. Which is actually really good. I do seriously recommend you go and check it out. It's a good rock EP, uh, which you don't hear too much of these days. And it's very grandiose and big, and it's lovely, and I, I think it's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Not sure about the wanku plays guitar on track four, though, but you know. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> That's me, by the way. I'm not being... <laughs> yeah, we're not just, like, slating somebody. Yeah, no. Um, if you ever want to hear what uh, someone trying to do a Brian May imitation sounds like, uh, you know, check that track out on the guitar solo, because that's what's going through my Don't head. give it a listen. That's, um, it's really good multi-layered orchestral guitar work on that song. It's brilliant. Well, I was going to say, you've got um, your friend from Pea Green Boat, Joe, on uh, track one, isn't he? That's uh, right. On Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Brilliant melody in the chorus, by the way. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Oh, you said lyric in the text the other well, it's day. It's a brilliant melody as well. It's it's one of the always semitonal movement, isn't it? Yeah, loads of semitonal movement is all we all we talk about in this podcast. Uh, but yeah, you've had that out. Mm. Uh, anything you want to say about that? Uh, about Winter State Five, um, I'm I'm really pleased to have like Declan and Joe on it. Declan's on a song called Cosmo Kramer. And Joe, like like uh, Declan said, was on um, Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, if you're interested, you can actually hear the album and buy it at rogerheathers.com. And uh, I recommend it. It's a good listen. And if you haven't actually heard what I do outside of the podcast before, it's like a 15-minute long EP. It's like a really, like... It's kind of a blueprint for what you want to do, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like a little bite-sized nugget. And you can listen to it while you go for a walk it's, or get a cup of coffee. It's really short. Yeah, um, it's also been... You've had a couple of tracks of it played on BBC Introducing, haven't oh, you? Oh, I know, yeah. Shout out I mean, to David White. Yeah, uh, you've had Cosmo Kramer, mm-hmm. you've had uh, Captain Lieber. That's right. Uh, what, have you had anything else on the radio? I haven't had anything from Winter State 5, but I've had it's the least I could do from Winter State 4 two weeks ago, which was... Another good song, another good album, check it out. But um, Yeah, so I've been doing that, you can hear that at my website, like I say. Um, and also we've been recording some of Declan's stuff as well. Yes, uh, we're currently in the process of uh, recording a couple of songs of mine. The two songs from the last weekly podcast uh, series, actually. It's uh, mm. Tomorrow and The Plan. And we're just trying to get those uh, sounding good at the minute and uh, trying to get some extra guitars on them because you can never have too many guitars. Uh, yeah, but we'll uh, keep you posted on that one. Like uh, As soon as we get more news, we'll talk about it. Absolutely. But it's been fun so far. Absolutely. We still need to kind of do a couple more sessions, don't we? But it's been like a crazy busy month. They're shaping up quite nicely, actually. Really nicely. Yeah. Well, I've listened to them after this, actually. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Um, and like the big thing that kind of has kept me from doing the podcast recently is um, I'm releasing an album on February 10th um, called To Your Heart's Content. And it's, Hooray! It's my first full-length uh songs album i don't know how to describe it it's your first uh uh album as a singer songwriter yes yeah exactly because you've um, done stuff before with p green boat you've done the eps and uh mm-hmm. winter tapers in the past has been albums but it's been a mix of things you've just been doing throughout the year yes. rather than a concentrated effort to produce an album exactly so this is um a proper album and uh declan and our previous guest and friend uh sam um, bullied me <laughs> into... Um, we didn't bully you, we peer pressured you, there's a difference. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true actually. Um, well actually, in complete seriousness, you guys were really supportive and they were like, 
you've got to put on an album launch event. And uh, our friend Sienna from uh, Open Mic at number 20 as well, she was like, I'll book you in. And I was like, no, don't do that, I'm scared, no one will come. And uh, and then they all went, you've got to do it, you've got to do it. And everyone's like been really nice about it. So on February 10th, I'll be playing uh, the album front to back and uh, I'll be joined by uh, Chris Baker, AKA Lunacy. Um, Sam Sweeney, who supported me before at the Old Ale House, really great <coughs> uh, guitarist and songwriter. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. It's all right. Um, Toby Cook, great Falmouth uh, musician, and Liv Safina. Ooh. Yeah, aka, I can't remember her actual last name. <laughs> but I was like, I said to yeah, her, Yeah, send her a day, copy of this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I only met her recently. She's Chris's mate. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I said to her, do you, do you want to support? She was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I said, okay, well, is it just your last name then? And she went, oh, I don't like my last name. I was like, oh, I can't just put Liv. And she said, Safina? And I was like, what's that? She said, it's my middle name. So, um, yeah, so I'll be joined with... <laughs> I'm completely digressing. I'll be joined by those guys, and it starts at 7 o'clock on uh, Friday 10th at uh, number, number 20, 20 in, in Penryn. And uh, if you come along, you can get a copy of the album, and uh, they're shrink-wrapped. Yeah, it's actually a physical CD release, like, actually in a little digipack and everything. I'm so looking forward to getting hold of mine. And I've, I, haven't, I haven't got them in the post yet, but when I do... Basically, Roger is sitting across the room from one of his biggest fans. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm talking about myself too much. I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, well, you've been doing a lot, and you've been uh, really making a push on this, and uh, it's, you know, it's good to talk about it. Well, I'm looking forward to people hearing it. It's definitely a piece of work I'm proud of. It's going to be good. Yeah. Also, um, if uh, you're interested in gigs happening around the time, um, I will be performing one or two dates with uh, Boundless Brothers in the upcoming uh, days. So I think there'll be one coming up on the 3rd of February, which will be this Friday. We're going to be playing in the studio bar in Penzance uh, in support of... Uh, Heavy Souls, which are mm. sort of bluesy uh, rock act, which are quite good. I've seen them a little bit before. Uh, but yeah, that'll be me playing uh, with Boundless Brothers down there. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be cool. How long has it been since you played with them Eight before? months. Eight months? Yeah. But I get practicing. <laughs> yeah, we were, literally we were practicing today. Like, um, it's amazing how much I remember. It's more muscle memory, I guess. Yeah, like uh, you suddenly start playing a song and then the your hands will be taking you along the rest of the way. It's like, oh, I have no control over this. <laughs> These hands can't slow down. Um, so also in a in a bit of uh, special news, on our second episode of season two, episode eleven, next week, it's also yeah. known as, um, we're gonna have a <laughs> we're gonna have a special guest on. Um, uh, <laughs> Chris Baker, ah, aka yeah. Lunacy, who's going to be actually supporting me at my gig, uh, February tenth, Penryn, number twenty, um, and uh, he's going to come on, and he is probably as we speak writing his song, feverishly writing a song. Yeah, as opposed to us, who sort of dread the process of songwriting when we have to do one a week, every <laughs> week for the rest of our lives. Exactly. I picture him right now, like at a desk with like a big bin that's like over full with scrumpled up paper and these. Just like that old uh, stereotypical, like a uh, trying artist thing, like uh, just a kind of monster on his desk as well, trying to get himself through the night. Three pencils behind each ear. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's probably going to come on and completely show us up because he's actually a really good songwriter, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a good voice on him as well. He has, and he uses these like open tunings and capos and stuff he's got loads of stuff he gets involved with his guitar yeah so it's going to be a bit of a different sound compared to uh the two of us who mainly just play in standard 
Yeah, exactly. Because we're unoriginal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's going to be exciting. I mean, it's always kind of fun. Like, we had Sam on at the Christmas special. Yeah. And it, it changes the dynamic and it makes it more exciting. So I'm looking well, forward to a, having him on. It's a freeway conversation, isn't it? Exactly. Like, um, it's just, a, you know, a bit more banter, a bit more fun. Exactly. Oh, And but, another song. And another song, exactly. Um, I wanted to say as well, um, if you're a songwriter and you're listening to this and you're like, and you write... Um, Get in contact. You can actually contact me at rogerheathersmusic at gmail.com or you can get in touch uh, via rogerheathers.com and we'll get our own, like, email set up yeah. at some point. I mean, you can leave a comment on the SoundCloud if you desperately yes. want to. Um, just get in touch somehow with us and um, and we'll consider having you on because it would be really nice to have a few more guests on, wouldn't it? Yeah, and if you're not in the Cornwall area, in which case it would be a bit more impractical for you to be here, we could even just play your songs on the podcast as well. Absolutely, and just listen and give a bit of constructive feedback and just discuss your music you know essentially yeah. essentially what we're trying to shy away from is we're going to have your song we're going to rip it to shit <laughs> those chords are awful yeah. they're not that. in key <laughs> not from a Jedi <laughs> oh dear that's probably a good point <laughs> yeah I think that's about it for us this week right okay we'll see you next week with uh, Chris Baker then ta-ra ta-ra uh Playing in the studio bar in Falmouth uh, and uh, Penryn. Penzance. <laughs> playing in the studio bar in Penzance, which is uh, fucking hell. Which uh, we're going to be playing in uh, num- We're going to be playing in studio bar in Penzance. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>